Hey, the start of something special right here, man. Let's go. Number one fantasy player right here. Got past the line. Shut up. Know the rules. I just want to say this to you. Right now, best in the game. I know. Welcome into the Pod After Touchdown Fantasy Football Podcast. I am your host, Sam Hoppin, joined as always by my co-host, Andrew Mackins and Ryan Garner. Fellas, how are you guys doing today? I'm doing okay, Sam. You know, hanging in there. Yeah? Garner, what about you? Doing pretty good. I uh, went for a run just before this. I uh, feel nice and refreshed. Yeah. Yeah, I uh, was fortunate enough to get a haircut this past weekend. I was in Ohio visiting Christina's parents, and uh, her friend is a hairdresser, so I feel like a bit of a new man. It it feels pretty good to have a a weight off my head. Yeah, now that you mention it, it it looks uh, properly coiffed, so good on you. I have to to call my salon quickly to... As you can tell on the Zoom, like I didn't need a haircut <laughs> pretty badly. That's all right. Looks pretty good to me. Um, so for today's show, we are going to do things a little bit differently. We are going to start off with our mental health minute and go into our kickoff question second. And obviously, we don't want to bury the lead with what's going on right now. Obviously, The country is in a state of unrest in the aftermath of the George Floyd murder, and there are riots, there are looting protests all over the country. There was a march going past my street just this afternoon, and we just wanted to take a chance to give our perspective and uh, share some of our thoughts around the things that are going on. Uh, So, Andrew, I'll, I'll kick it to you to to share some thoughts first yeah thanks sam and obviously i think this is a big part of why i said i was just you know hanging in there um obviously this seems like a really dark time in our history or america's history um and in terms of like the mental health aspect of it is like everyone just tried to you know hang in there it's obviously our podcast you know the three of us three white guys we cannot imagine at all what you know black people have gone through and are going through right now and so i don't pretend to to know that i and obviously we're a small podcast too so i I don't think anyone i want to say like you know actually people should be educating themselves obviously like sam you mentioned it as a murder it is a murder it was wrong um and there's a lot of systematic racism in this country and we need to, there's a lot of things that need to be changed, but I, I don't expect you to respect my opinion on that. I would rather quote uh, Patrick Mahomes. He had a full uh, post on Twitter about this, but one of the shorter pieces of that was I grew up in a locker room where people from every race, every background and every community came together and became brothers to accomplish a single goal. I hope that our country can learn from the injustices that we have witnessed to become more like the locker room where everyone is accepted. And so hopefully our audience respects that message, you know, from a, a NFL player who we root for, who we love seeing uh, succeed and who has helped a lot of people win fantasy championships as well. Yeah, that's great. Uh, to your point about sort of wondering what we can do 
to help. I think from my perspective, I've I've certainly wondered that over the over the past couple of days. I mean, signing petitions and uh, you know, donating to different bail funds and things like that are, are certainly some things you can do. But Tyler Lockett, the wide receiver from the Seattle Seahawks, actually had a a very timely tweet this week uh, that said, if you are white and want to learn a little bit about what we as blacks have gone through, take some time to watch. And he listed a couple uh, movies on different streaming services, one of which is Detroit on Hulu, When They See Us on Netflix. And I'll actually throw out there The Hate You Give, which is a movie I've seen. It, it's actually, it was based off of a book. Um, and, and I think it's it's a way to just get educated, like you said, on some of the things and, and try to understand what other people might be going through who, you know, you might want to relate to and uh, really try to understand all of the, the outrage and hopefully make a difference in the future. But, yeah, I think that's I think think that's great, Sam. Just getting educated, and those are great places to start. When you know, ninety five percent of people in quarantine are watching Netflix and, yeah. and other streaming services. So do that. Use Google if you don't know what's going on. Google George Floyd. Google Breonna Taylor. Google Ahmaud Arbery. These are people that have all lost their lives recently unjustly, and I think they all, and not just George Floyd, all of these lives deserve you know recognition. Because Black Lives Matter. Exactly. Um, and and uh, obviously the the impact of this is made even crazier with the fact that we're still in the middle of this pandemic. Um, I mentioned that March and uh, almost everyone was, was wearing a face mask, which was, was good to see. Uh, but we are a, a fantasy football podcast. We understand that you tune in to sometimes you know, take a break from all of the craziness that's that's going on. I know I certainly use different podcasts as a way to uh, escape some of the, the dark times that we've been going through. So let's uh, let's get into our show. Like I said, we're going to do our kickoff question, and then we have our final rankings debate uh, covering the tight end position. So with that, let's kick things off. And this game is underway. All right. So like I mentioned, we're going to be targeting, uh, excuse me, we're going to be covering tight ends this episode. So Andrew, I'll just very simply ask you, are you in favor of targeting an elite tight end in the first three rounds of drafts this season? My experience thus far with mock drafts is that I will not be targeting an elite tight end. I And that's not to say that you shouldn't. I think it's got to be at the, the right spot and you got to feel good about who's coming around on the turn. But um, I always struggle to end up getting enough good running backs on my team. So I, that's something that I kind of want to focus on this season. Um, and tight ends, you know, with how few there are that are elite, like I totally understand just taking one. Uh, but you can try to stream the position. You can take multiple of those later round guys, really focus on your running back and wide receiver depth. And I think that will carry the day for you just as well. Yeah, I'm, I'm in the same boat. I think I'd take a stab at Kelsey or Kittle if they, if either of them fall to the third round, assuming I can get like two stud running backs in the first 
couple rounds. I might take a flyer on Anderson or Ertz if they fall to a decent value, but otherwise I'm I'm waiting until the 11th or 12th round. I'm not going to mess around with any of the mid-tier tight ends this season. I think people will probably start to reach on them when when there's a run in, in the 6th or 7th round. Um, J.J. Zacharyson actually just put out in a podcast this week talking about how so many, uh, an overwhelming majority of players that, excuse me, running backs and wide receivers that finish in the top eight or 10 are drafted in the first couple rounds of a draft, which makes, makes sense. I mean, that's the reason why we're drafting those types of guys, but the percentage of players that are, you know, being these league winners and, and scoring that much, they're not coming from the late rounds where you can get your tight ends and sort of plug and play them. No, I agree with Sam here that, yeah, it's maybe if it, if it falls right to you, Kelsey, you know, at the very end of the third or so, but other than that, I mean, I've seen the most success of being reactionary with tight ends, honestly, week one, where like two years ago, I was able to trade a guy for Kittle, like after week one, and he was an all-star for me. And last year, like I think I forgot who like picked up Darren Waller after like week one was like, he's got potential. Like I could see it. Like it's about picking up those reactionary guys, in my opinion, that again, it might not always work out, but you're also not tossing away a top three draft pick in order Mm -hmm. to uh, hope for the same results. Yeah, especially because, like, if you do pick a top three pick and they're kind of struggling, like, you're pot committed to that player to work for the rest of the season. And that's kind of what happened with, you know, if you had Zach Ertz last year, he struggled in the first half of the season, I think. He wasn't finding the end zone as much, and then he finally came on towards the end, where at that point I had actually already traded him in one league. So (laughs) you got to be – you got to watch out for those things as well. It's much easier to bail on – uh, some of the guys you draft in the later rounds. Yeah. Okay, so let's get into the ranking debates without further ado. Uh, if you haven't been following us the past couple episodes, first of all, thank you for joining us this time around. But the, the way we're going to do this is a bit of a debate club style. So we're going to talk about five different tight ends and the person who has the player ranked higher is going to go first to make his case on why they should be ranked there. And we'll have 60 seconds to make a compelling case. Then the person who has the player ranked lower will have 60 seconds to provide a rebuttal and make his case for why they think they should be lower. And Garner gets all of the fun of sitting back, relaxing, <laughs> and then deciding who the winner is which will likely be me once Wait, again. So I wasn't supposed to pick the winner before we got going this time. I thought I'd switch it up with tight ends here, you know, do a little different. <laughs> All right. Well, let's get into it with our first player. And that is going to be Tyler Higbee, the second half breakout from last year. Uh, the Rams tight end. I have him ranked sixth. Andrew has him ranked ninth, and ECR has him at eight. So not a huge gap uh, in our rankings, but significant nonetheless if you are targeting some of those 
mid-year, excuse me, mid-round tight end. So with that, let's get started. And, and I'll start here. In case you forgot, we saw a fundamental shift in how the Rams played on offense in the final six weeks of 2019. In the final, excuse me, in the first 11 weeks of the season, the Rams used 12%, 12 personnel, which is one running back, two tight ends, two wide receivers, on just 15% of their plays. From weeks 12 through 17, that doubled to 30%, which was the sixth highest rate in the league over that span. During that same stretch of weeks, Tyler Higby was the tight end one. We do not see stretches of dominance like that from many players. I mean, you have Kelsey and, and Kittle and some of these other guys, but you don't see someone be the tight end one for that long that can't be a top six option. Over that same week stretch that I've been talking about, he averaged 10.3 targets per game. Only Michael Thomas, Julio Jones, and Devontae Adams had a higher per game target average. And those guys are pretty good. All right, I feel like you actually helped my argument a little bit in there, but I'll start off with the fact that this stretch, you know, set you said second half of the year, his greatness was only a five-game sample size when I looked at the game logs. He faced some of the worst defenses during that stretch. I believe he played Arizona twice and Seattle once in there. Uh, and he does have some competition in the tight end room, but I'll get to that in a minute. In those five games, you mentioned Hickby had four games with over 10 targets, and four games with over 100 receiving yards. But in his career, uh, that has been going for three and a half years now, leading up to this stretch, Higby had only logged six games of over five targets and two games of over 50 receiving yards. So this stretch just comes out of nowhere when Gerald Everett is injured and hurt. And, and I know he's the backup tight end right now, but McVay has said that he wants to get Everett more opportunities. He said, I think Higby did a phenomenal job, but I think Everett's a guy that I've got to do a better job utilizing his skill set because he's a difference maker. I think that's a big threat. I think the sample size is too small and not replicable. Wow. So you're using coach speak in your argument. I see how it is. Garner, are you buying into that? stretch or not so it's i mean it's always tough because we go back and forth <laughs> so much on taking a sample size from last year and whether it be six games or eight games is it reliable is it not i'm shaking my head here i know you guys can't see me but i'm just shaking my head trying trying to think i mean uh i i think i'm going with mackins on this one that it, yes. it was a, a small sample size at the end of the year, and uh, yeah, I haven't seen enough to quite convince me to rank him in the top six yet. All right. it, it, it's the not even second half of last year. A like, little bit more, and I'll buy in. I think he can be good, but I don't know if I'm willing to invest that much in him yet. Okay, okay. Andrew takes the early 1-0 lead. He is, is happy that a first? That. Is that, that a first that in, on this podcast? <laughs> out of out of the four rankings this episodes is the we've done, we've but done. you might have a little bit tougher time on this next guy, Austin Hoopa, the new tight end for the Cleveland Browns. You have him ranked eighth. I have him ranked eleventh, and ECR is at nine. So again, not a stark difference between the two of us, but a difference. Nonetheless, Andrew, I'll pass it to you. 
Yeah, it's only a small difference. I like being closer to the experts on this one, though, because, you know, he was the tight end six last year, even after missing a few games due to injury. But people also forget that Hooper was also the tight end six in 2018. He's improved in targets, receptions, and yards per game every year of his career. So he's been in the league for four years now. Uh, he had just one drop on 97 targets last season, and he leads all tight ends with a 77.3% catch rate since entering the NFL. Uh, that's among tight ends with minimum 100 receptions. Because of stats like that, PFF has him graded as the eighth tight end in the league right now. I'm going with the fact that the tape doesn't lie. We know that Stefanski is going to run the ball and use his tight ends in the Brown offense. Brown's offense, they can't just constantly run. They have to pass at some point. And it's going to be the tight ends like Hooper. Uh, and I know that Hooper has gotten some flack for not getting separation in the past, like in man coverage, but that's exactly what Stefanski's offense is designed to do via play action. Wow. You hit, I think, a minute almost exactly on the dot, which very well may be the first time either of us have done that. But uh, there's, like you mentioned, there's a lot that he's done great the past couple of seasons, improving each year. But the biggest thing for me is that he's on a new team. It's an entirely new scheme change, a totally new quarterback who's throwing them the ball, a totally new coach in the system. And I talked in our wide receiver episode just how much the Falcons have passed the ball the past couple seasons. And I don't expect the Browns to do the same. They have a better defense than the Falcons. That's for sure. And as much as Stefanski likes to use two tight end sets, Kyle Rudolph averaged 5.9 fantasy points per game last year. And, you know, you talked about Higby competing with Gerald Everett in our last debate. And I believe David Njoku is a better tight end than probably potentially both of those guys. And he'll be on the field for those two tight ends. That's not to mention the Browns drafted a tight end. So I, I just don't think he'll succeed that much in with the change of scenery. May I rebuttal on one piece there? I, I forgot some other things at the end of my minute, but there's one thing. I You mentioned Kyle Rudolph in there. Kyle Rudolph was 30 years old last year. I just tweeted about this the other day. I don't think it's fair to compare him to Kyle Rudolph in Minnesota. When Kyle Rudolph was 27 years old in Minnesota, he got 132 targets, 83 receptions, 840 yards. So I don't think comparing him is a fair point yeah well was you're getting Stefanski pretty close to 30 then? years old so Stefanski was on the team I don't know if he was the OC yet gotcha he's no. had experience Stefanski... with both a tight end coach and a uh, quarterbacks coach gotcha I gotta say coming into looking at your rankings I I thought I was gonna go with Sam but Mackin's made a hell of a point here and he's actually going up 2-0 believe it or not was that was it all in his time rebuttal no, it was pretty much – that helped solidify it, but it was pretty much decided, like, beforehand. It, it helped me make my decision a lot quicker, if you couldn't tell from previous episodes. But, I mean, <laughs> the big thing, too, that really sucked me, too, as you said, like, only one drop in 97 targets where, to counter one of Sam's points of, if he's going to be seeing reduced targets, if he can keep that up, even if he gets reduced targets, he's not dropping them. So, like, he's still catching those and getting you points. Mm-hmm. Whatever. I meant to bring All up right. the, point that, the point that I figured would have gotten Garner, too, that I forgot is 
that they signed him to like a $44 million contract. He's the highest paid tight end. In All the right. Moving Brown. on to our <laughs> next tight end, uh, a guy who surely will not drop the ball. That is Rob Gronkowski. Uh, this is a bigger difference between the two of us. I've got him ranked ninth inside the top 10. Andrew has him at 15th. So not even considering him as a tight end one and ECR has him at 11 in the middle there. So by virtue of having him ranked higher, I'll get started. And I mean, it's pretty easy. Rob Gronkowski, my second cousin, is the greatest tight end to ever play the game. The last time he played, he looked like a shell of his former self and was a bit hobbled. But now he's back with his companion, Tom Brady, after a year of some much needed R&R. But I don't understand why you don't think he can't be a top 12 tight end. He can easily do that. And top nine is more than reasonable. For reference, he scored 8.3 fantasy points per game last time he was a tight end in the league. And that was good enough for tight end 11 and tight end eight on a points per game basis in 2018 when he was moving slowly and he's in a better, in a better situation now. Last year, Jason Witten was the tight end 12 on the season, which is gross to say. And he scored 6.8 fantasy points per game. Darren Fells was tight end 15, which is where you have Gronk ranked. And he scored 5.8 fantasy points per game. So you're saying that's all you think he can do? Come on. Did you say Brait was the tight end 12, right? Or no? No, Jason Witten. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, gotcha. I was looking at, obviously, all these numbers the other day. Oh, Okay. All right, starting off with the fact that you're related to him, I see some personal biases in this argument, but I digress. The The one thing that we have to remember, that every year the fantasy community says Bruce Arians' offense does not utilize the tight end enough for fantasy. If you, you mentioned, or I mentioned Cameron Bray just there, if you combine his stats and O.J. Howard's last year, it would be 108 targets, 70 receptions, 770 yards, and five touchdowns. Yes, this combined would have been tight end eight last year in half PPR. But the fact is, all three of these tight ends are still on the roster. I Maybe that'll change. I hope it will change for Gronk. But I think that all three of these guys are going to get some snaps. It's going to take away from Gronk's ceiling. The last time Gronk was actually on the field, he only had six games of over 50 receiving yards. And with the crazy expectations that we have for Mike Evans and Chris Godwin to go crazy in this offense... I see Gronk as someone who's going to be good for NFL purposes, even great. But as from a fantasy perspective, there's no, I have no trust in that position in Tampa. I, I okay, Garner. <laughs> I just gonna, <laughs> I'm, I'm already not feeling that great about how these have been going. So maybe Andrew finally brought his A game. It might be a minus because you've got this one. I I think nice. that you said Gronk. Gronk and Brady have that connection where and even if he's not the all-star that he was in his prime and falls down to eight points per game, like the if that's still gonna be good enough to be a top ten tight end, it's still gonna be a top tight end, it is what it is. It's tough that there's a lot of other mouths to feed as Mackin said, but I think he kind of pointed out that some of like some of those other tight ends are most likely gonna leave by the time the year starts. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I hope that O.J. Howard can get traded. We want to see him and his talent come to fruition somewhere. But 
Plus, uh, only, only I, mean, time I, don't, I don't think Sam completely said it or stated it this way, but I mean, Gronk came out of retirement, I guess kind of air quotes around retirement for Brady to go down there to have the Patriots like release him or trade him down there. So like, again, it's kind of one of those where like, they wouldn't, I don't think he's going to go through all this if he's not expecting to get some play and score. And like, yeah. Amen. Amen, I say. Um, now let's move on to a guy who you somehow have ranked higher than Gronk, and that's Jack <laughs> Doyle uh, of the is that is that your entire Cole. argument? <laughs> <laughs> I he's mean, higher than Gronk. I mean, he might as well be. But you've got him ranked 14th, so one spot higher than your Gronkowski rank. I've got him ranked all the way down at 21, so a seven spot difference. And ECR is split at 18. So Andrew convinced me that Jack Doyle is a better tight end than Rob Gronkowski. <laughs> well, talent-wise, I don't know if I'd argue that. That's a whole nother conversation with Gronk being gone. But last year, Jack Doyle ranked as the tight end 17 in half PPR format. And that was with Jacoby Brissett and his quarterback 23 fantasy performance leading that passing offense. We talked about this last week. I think Philip Rivers is an improvement from Brissett and that he's going to have a better season behind the Colts offensive line and in this Frank Reich offense. Sam, you mentioned last week, Paris Campbell, Michael Pittman, who are these guys? They don't scare you. So then who is Rivers going to throw to? If he's not going to throw to those guys, he's going to be throwing to the running backs. He's going to be throwing to Jack Doyle. Yes, they signed Trey Burton, but they also lost Eric Ebarn in free agency. So I think this sets Doyle up for a solid opportunity as the number one tight end in the offense. Despite his age, they signed him to a $21 million extension in December. So I think that they think he's their guy to get the job done. And in context, we're talking fringe tight end one here. So like hit between him, between Gronk, it's like, honestly, it's a coin flip. All right. Well, if you're drafting Jack Doyle as close to a tight end one, which you have him ranked as, you're drafting to go 6-7 in your league and miss the playoffs by a couple of games. He'll be decently consistent, maybe, but he's not going to win you your league. Doyle's best season in his seven-year career was in 2017, just a couple of seasons ago, when he finished as the tight end eight in points per game with 8.6. He's been over 70 tar- 75 targets just once, which was that 2017 season, and Doyle's yards per route run, which is a stat that's known to be tied for to year-over-year tight end production in fantasy football, was 1.22 last year, which ranked 24th among tight ends with at least 30 targets last year. Like I mentioned when we were talking about Phillip Rivers last week, and you brought up my, my argument, but this team didn't draft Jonathan Taylor to be airing it out to freaking Jack Doyle. You can... You can have him ranked 14th, but I guarantee you that you won't have him on any of your teams and you're not going to win a championship with him on your team. Well, I definitely don't plan on drafting him in a 12-team league. That's why he's, you know, tight end 14. Uh, what if uh, what if a couple guys take two tight ends before you? I'll grab you my guy be forced before then. I'll grab my guy before then. What if the top 13 picks are tight ends? And you're left looking at Jack Doyle or Christian McCaffrey. Who are you going with? What? 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 I'm going with I'm Christian McCaffrey. 
Oh, oh wow. So you don't believe end. in Jack Doyle that much, I see. Huh. No, I believe that Christian McCaffrey will score more points than Jack Doyle. What the fuck? I'm so confused <laughs> by this logic. Uh, what about the logic uh, that I made <laughs> earlier? I think he's talking Wait. about the, the actual debate that we had, not the not the where. That's what I'm talking about. Garner, what's your verdict? I'm looking at the notes here. I feel like Mackins might have him a bit high, but Sam is too low on him, so I'm going with Mackins on this one. Oh, yeah. Uh, I, I think something, too, that I mean might not be the biggest deal that Mackins had mentioned is that Rivers, I mean, has always had, I felt like, a relationship with a tight end. And if he brings that with him there, likes to dump it off, then I mean, that yeah, can he had a relationship with the tight end that he had been playing with for. 38 years in Antonio Gates, not Jack Doyle, who he's not going to have a chance to build chemistry with this offseason. Well, the points have already been allocated. <laughs> <laughs> to wit, I will say for, for our for our listeners, as we're talking through this, I would probably draft Gronkowski before Doyle to, to Sam's point that upside. You even admitted yourself to be wrong. Nope, I took okay. the point and ran away with it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, let's do this last debate for fun. I, I felt like I was playing with with house money the past couple or this episode after my complete and utter dominance over the past couple episodes. And Great our last our last topic is going to be Ian Thomas, uh, <laughs> the tight end for the Carolina Panthers. It's almost a flip flop. Uh, between him and Jack Doyle. I've got Thomas ranked 16th. Andrew has him ranked 23rd. And ECR has him at 21. So I might have a bit of an uphill climb here. I'm going um, to love what you have to say here. Oh, I know you are. And Garner's going to love it too. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Um, so obviously the old Greg Olson, the hobbled Greg Olson is gone. And over the past two seasons... Ian Thomas has averaged six targets per game, 3.8 receptions per game, and 38 receiving yards per game in the games that Greg Olson has missed. To put this in perspective, only eight tight ends averaged at least six targets per game in 2019. I don't expect him to have that many targets because they, they added Robbie Anderson, but there is reason to believe that he'll still be involved Bridgewater's tendency to play conservatively as a quarterback is well-documented as evidenced by his 7.54 career average depth of target. Ian Thomas's career, ADOT, 6.5 yards. So that matches up very well with their playing styles. If he can see the volume that I mentioned for a full year, he'll turn in a great tight end season on a team that is sure to be passing the ball a ton. Andrew, I cannot wait to hear what you have to say, and I am going to love it. You sure are optimistic, Sam, but I have seen nothing to convince me that Ian Thomas has the upside to take over Greg Olson's role and have meaningful production here. His PFF grade in terms of ranking amongst all tight ends was 59th. He's the 59th best graded tight end in the league. His receiving grade is worse than Jason Witten, Jay Sternberger, Dawson Knox, CJ Uzoma, among plenty others. 
And his opportunity in production actually decreased last season from his rookie year to his sophomore year. You know, the year that you're typically supposed to see improvement. So it, that was 19 fewer targets, 20 fewer receptions. His catch rate decreased by 20%. Maybe Greg Olson was a factor in there, but Matt Rule tends to use either 10 or 11 personnel. So uh, that was like 85 to 90% of the time at Baylor. That's per cover1.net, in case you were wondering. And 10 personnel means there's not even a tight end on the field. So I think that's what Rule should be doing. Last thing, if you combined all He's going over time. He's going over time. Cut him off, Chuck. Cut him off. Ever played, he would have been ranked tight end 17 last year. Wait, what's the first part of that last stat? If you combine, it doesn't matter. It's void and all. Fantasy points. All 32 games he's ever played. Combine all the stats. Tight end 17 and yeah, and I've got I've got him at tight end 16, so it makes sense. (laughs) (laughs) This is tough now. Does Mackins get the gentleman sweep or does Sam save face? I mean, he kind of broke the rule. I mean, he doesn't care because he won all the positions that matter. I I think he got the bonus time for being so precise on the other one where he was, like, literally on the minute mark. I think he earned himself a bonus time. Huh? I'm very confused. Who earned what bonus time? I got bonus time for landing right on a minute. No way. I don't know, I'm just making up excuses because you guys keep both going over by a bit and then rebuttaling. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, Garner, time to make your final decision. Final decision, after hearing all the stats, I'm going with Mackens. Yeah! My my gut when I saw those rankings was to go with Sam, and I, I think he's got potential this year, and I low-key, I like... I don't love Bridgewater, but I feel like he could be a sneaky option this year as a backup that, again, maybe you can trade him away for something nice to someone who needs a bye week filler. But, I mean, hearing all those stats that Mackin's listed off, I mean, it it just doesn't sound promising for Thomas. Yeah, I mean, you, you told Andrew after the show last week what he could be doing better to, to win your favor, and you did say bring the stats in. Andrew, I will admit that I was rather impressed by the depth of statistical evidence you brought this episode, but that's going to do it for us today. Next week, we are going to put these rankings to the test with our first mock draft episode of the offseason, and we'll see which of the three of us comes away with a better team. Um, but until then, please stay safe. Uh, be mindful of, of everything that's going on. Feel free to reach out to in, any of us if you want to talk about uh, what's been going on or, or anything else. Um, to do that, you can reach me at Sam Hoppin. You can re- reach Andrew at Andrew Mackins, and you can reach Garner at Garther. We are pod after td on twitter as well uh congrats on the victory andrew and with that the kick is good